This is the Edify Podcast for the Servant. Peter in his preaching did not merely set before the the people that to whom he was preaching just the facts of the gospel and their meaning and leave it at that. It wasn't just an exposition and he never leaves it in, in, in any of his evangelistic sermons throughout the whole book of Acts. Every evangelistic message realistically contains an earnest appeal. Um, we see it here uh, in Peter's sermon in the house of Cornelius, uh, chapter 10 and verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. So in other words, here's the good news. Before you meet Jesus as judge, you can meet him now, today, as your Savior. I mean, notice the language. There's two things that I want us to see in this episode today. We we have both the free offer and the immediate demand of the gospel. Probably one of my favorite preachers is Cliff Goodwin, good friend, mentor, somebody I love and trust. But the way that he preaches oftentimes comes with a a, a, a an appeal, a pleading, if you will, um, as a dying man preaching to dying men, begging them not to go off the cliff. So there's this free offer of the gospel, and Peter preached this free offer. Um, he said through his name, whoever, whoever believes in him, which is Jesus, is going to receive this remission of sins. Um, whoever. So the promise of the gospel is for all, unlike what some of our friends say. And I understand why they say they, what they say about uh, the limited atonement, that it's only going to be applied to those whom are saved. And that's true. Um, that's true in an extent. And the person who is in torment now cannot say, Jesus died for me, the same way that a person in paradise can say that. So I can understand that argument just in principle, but to say that Jesus only died for a select few um, is true, but it's not true. I- anyway, anyway, the promise of the gospel is for all because because of Christ and who he is and what he has done for sinners, whoever believes in him will receive that forgiveness of sins. Of course, that belief is an inclusive word, not an exclusive word, but anyway, it, it doesn't matter where you are from. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've gone down into the gutter of sin, um, whoever, whoever believes in him will receive that remission of sins, old, young, middle-aged, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight, uh, open sinners, secret sinners, young sinners, old sinners, outwardly moral sinners, shamefully scandalous sinners, whoever, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now, forgiveness of sins is just you know, just one part of the blessings that come to sinners uh, who put their faith in Christ Jesus, um, who are forgiven in his name through the agent of baptism. It's the foundational blessing uh, that that comes um, and realistically opens, opens the, the floodgates for all the other blessings. When we are pardoned and we are set apart, when we're forgiven of our sins, uh, I mean, just think about justification justification, just if I'd never sinned, uh, adoption into the family of God. Study the idea of adoption through Romans. When Paul uses that term adoption, study the term adoption in Roman uh, law or Roman cultural terms in the first century. Great study, great study. You could, you could preach a whole host of sermons just on what it means to be adopted in the Roman world. Um, 
the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one who indwells us. God gives his spirit to all them that obey him, uh, to sanctification, uh, eternal glory, joy in the world that is to come. Uh, all of these things are, are blessings, and they're blessings of salvation that should be set forth and explained. Not, not necessarily each one in detail in every sermon, but over the course of our evangelistic preaching, all, all this great salvation is freely given to whoever believes in him. Peter, Peter preaches this offer, this free offer of the gospel to all, uh, not only here but in his other sermons in the book of Acts, Acts 2 and verse 38, to you know, potentially hundreds of thousands if not millions of Jews at Pentecost from all over the world. All the nations represented in Acts 2 and 38, repent and let every one of you, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, of course, we know that baptism uh, is not exclusive to belief. Anybody can be baptized, but unless you're baptized in faith is an answer of a good conscience. Baptism must be met with faithful belief. It must be met with right understanding. Um, being baptized into him for the forgiveness of sins, you're going to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, every one of you. Acts 3.26, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you. You see that? To bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Listen to the personal nature of that free offer. Paul, Acts 13 38 and 39, therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you, to, to you personally, to you specifically, to you indiscriminately, through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone, that's every one of you who believes, is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Whoever, whoever believes, Acts 10, 43, there, there's no limitations no qualifications, no restrictions. No one is excluded but those who exclude themselves by refusing to believe. Listen again to Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. This, this imploring that goes on in his preaching, this begging of sorts, this emphatically beseeching these individuals, so in other words, that, that great gospel invitation, Revelation twenty two seventeen, whosoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Do you, do you preach the offer of the gospel, and do you preach it freely? Um, and it's here, I'm afraid, that, that maybe we don't. Um, I, I know a lot of our, some folks, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast and you're reformed, and you struggle, and you hesitate, and, and you're lacking in your evangelistic preaching, because you say, wait a minute, we believe in the doctrine of election, by the doctrine of election, um, you know, we, we believe that this atonement is limited. You may be tempted to think that if God has already determined from eternity who will be saved, and if Christ specifically came to redeem all those the Father has purposed to save, then it's not proper to offer Christ and salvation to every single person. Or, or you, may, you may feel, and this is for folks who are Reformed, not, not restored, not restoration theology, but if anybody's listening to this who is of Reformed theology, 
you, you may feel uncomfortable and uncertain in doing that. And how, how can we tell all who hear us that God sincerely offers Christ and salvation to them if God has not elected and saved them all? So you need to study the word election. Realistically, the word election is used in two different ways in the New Testament. The first way is which election was an individual practice, that God elected certain people, and then God elected a group of people, or predestined, or foreknowledged, or chosen before the world began. There's no doubt Peter, the first century group of apostles, uh, all those disciples, and even those of us today, uh, God absolutely predetermined and elected only those of a certain nature to be saved. And those folks are those of the church, not individual basis, but the group as a whole. The group as a whole. I want to ask you something. If you're Reformed, I want you to go and read Romans chapter 9. But notice something in Romans chapter 9. Paul never addresses the idea of salvation. He never does. What he, what he addresses in Romans chapter 9 is the idea of which lineage he's going to bring, to bring Jesus. Uh, that's, that's particular. When you say that you're Calvinist, remember that God's not Calvinist. God is God and God is truth. Uh, take a step back. Take a, take a deep breath. And for those of you who are in restored theology, your restoration seekers, take a step back from what Campbell taught. Uh, take a step back from what, what so-and-so taught. Take a step back from... Uh, J.W. McGarvey and all these other ones. Just take a step back and just listen and breathe and read it as it is and study with your friends, your restored friends and your reformed friends, um, your Armenian friends and your Calvinist friends. Uh, study and, and study that together and look at that idea. Is, is God talking about election for the sake of salvation or election for the sake of whom he would choose and whom he would save through this lineage of Jesus? See, God always kept his promises even to the extent even sometimes for his own name's sake, that the people were wicked, Israel was wicked, or they refused to do right, but there was always a remnant that he would preserve, that he would keep, that he would save, because he would not deny the promise that he made in Genesis chapter 3. So, side note, put it there. Keep that in mind. I, do, I, want, I want to offer that to folks who are listening to this, who are, who are Reformed and think, well, the, go the gospel isn't for everybody. Well, there's verses that contradict that. There are verses that contradict that. Uh, the, the message of the gospel needs to go out to every single person. Um, but those are the folks who, who think that the gospel doesn't need to be heard by all or very few and far between, more, more extremist. Um, but I would trust you to look into that. Um, it is a free offer. Um, Isaiah 55, 1, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you, have, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Come receive the salvation. It's, it's absolutely free. Whoever desires, let him, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation twenty two seventeen. It is a universal offer. Uh, Isaiah 45, 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. It's a personal offer. Forgiveness is preached to you, and we implore you. The promise is to you. Um, something else that needs to be noted here, it's, it's a sincere offer. Not only is it free, but it's also sincere. It comes from the very heart of God. God sincerely extends his love to sinners in the gospel of Jesus. Um, he freely offers his son and all the blessings of salvation 
that are in him as a free gift, a free gift to be received uh, by the empty hand of faith, if you will. So indeed, an offer that is not sincere and well-meant is not an offer at all. An insincere offer is a contradiction. Sam Waldron uh, wrote, he said, Offer contains the notion of a proposal presented to someone which the one presenting it desires for that person to accept it. There's nothing more unkind than being invited somewhere when you really weren't wanted to be there. And you can just feel it. It's like... It's like cream cheese. You can just slice it with a knife, you know. So when I preach the gospel to sinners, it is proper for me to tell them that in Christ, God is stretching out his hand. And he's stretching out his hand to them in love and compassion. But he sincerely desires their salvation. The answer of the Bible is yes. It is true there is a special and eternal love God has for his elected body of people. We've been predestined, predestined to look like the image of his son, that is the group of us, not individuals. Does that mean that God has no love of any kind for mankind in general? Or that in the gospel he, his saving love is not sincerely offered to everyone? You may not know this. or You may or may not know this. I do want to, re I want to read this, this note about John Calvin. He didn't, he didn't believe things the way some, some folks believed in certain ways. And he commented on John 3.16. He writes... Even though there is nothing in the world worthy of God's favor, he shows himself gracious toward the whole world, and he invites all men without exception to faith in Christ. Um, that's in his commentaries uh, in the Westminster Press, if you're looking for that. Um, it, Ezekiel 18.23, Calvin also wrote, he says, God desires nothing more earnestly than those who were perishing and rushing to destruction should return into the way of safety. And for this reason, not only is the gospel spread abroad in the world, but God wished to bear witness through all the ages how, how inclined he is to pity. My Bible tells me, and your Bible tells you, all commentaries aside, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who is the all? Because if you believe the doctrine of TULIP where the the election is predetermined, there's nothing you can do about it, you do think that. You need to ask yourself this question. If God is inclined to pity, and God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, then that contradicts your thought. It, it contradicts your thought. If if God isn't wanting anyone to perish, and that anyone that you say is the is the elected group, the those only who are atoned, and that God doesn't want those people to be say, lost. Well, how can they be lost if they've been elected? You see, there's some there's some holes in that in that. And and if I get some of that wrong, please feel free to email me or uh, contact me uh, on the Facebook page at Five for the Servant. Uh, send a message there or me directly, Jake Sutton. And so, well, here here's the strawman argument that you're presenting, and that's not what we believe. Please feel free to, to shoot that my way and help me understand that better. God doesn't want anybody to perish. Now, either the saved could perish, which those of us in restored theology believe, that you can fall away from sin. We believe that the Bible teaches that, that a person can fall away from grace. Paul said that he, he had to keep close watch on himself so that he himself does not fall cast away, uh, having preached to every other folks in the world. That's the Holy Spirit through Paul writing that. 
If the Holy Spirit said, hey, Paul, by the way, you can fall away from grace, then that means Jake Sutton can fall from grace. Um, but like I said, if you believe something that's reformed, please please feel free to message me and teach me something that I don't know. Uh, I'd love to study with you. So as, as mysterious and as difficult that it may be for people to, to have in their finite mind comprehend, reconcile, um, doctrines of particular grace um, the Bible does teach that it that in the free offer of Christ to all God is sincere and the invitation of the gospel are an expression of God's compassion um, for sinners Ezekiel 33 11 God swears by his own self-existence that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked but sincerely desires that they repent and live he says as I live says the Lord God I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his ways, turn from his way, and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? It is God who says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Deuteronomy 5.29 Does that sound like God is not, does that sound like a God who is not sincere? Is God just playing some kind of cynical game? Now, see, this is, it, it, when it's him in person, you hear this this God in person, Jesus, over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together, gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing, Luke thirteen thirty four. I was willing, but you were not willing. So that's, that's something to consider. That's something I just want to ponder uh, just for today. It's Tuesday. Um, I'm going to release another one on Thursday, um, more on the second half of this, that, that the gospel is, is freely offered, that, that there is a pleading. Uh, but, but I want to shift to that gear, to the immediate demand of the gospel, uh, of obedience to the gospel that we all must be uh, a part of. So that'll be Thursday. Be looking for that. Um, Side note, this coming week, um, July 27th through the 30th, going to be at the Connect Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Hope you can be there. Uh, if you're going to be there, come swing by and see me. There's going to be a Ministry League table. Um, Paul Sperlin, the director of Ministry League, um, is not going to be there. I'm going to haul the table for him, put out some cards, put out some things, swing by, grab a T-shirt, um, you know, um, see me. Uh, I'd love to love to get to know you. If you're going to be there, um, but anyway, uh, wish you all the, the very best. Remember that the gospel is free, and we are pleading with people to, to take something that is free. Um, that's kind of hard. That's kind of difficult. Uh, there's nothing really in this world that is free, and in some ways the gospel isn't even free, but it is a free offer uh, to every single person, whoever, whoever. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your life, but the offer is free. Um that's that's a um, that's something to ponder. So let's let's think about that. Pray for that. Pray for people. Uh, we've had a lot of conversions recently at Piedmont Road. Um, we're we're thankful for that, folks who are uh, reconverting their life to Jesus, living right. Uh, those that are coming to be baptized, uh, we're in a good season, uh, and I'm thankful for your prayers if you're praying and um, keep on keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, but preach the gospel. May God bless you in the teaching and preaching of his word.